Thank you, Larry and Peggy. Uh, you know, I, it's, uh, being in the forever family, especially uh, working there most of your life, as I have and Mike has, um, you realize we're sort of like another infamous family. Once you're a made man, or in our case, a remade man, then you're always going to be in the family business. And uh, that's what we're doing here today. And we would be remiss if we didn't go back to uh, the Bible in Romans 15, which is where we've been studying. And if we're going to honor folks for spending their lives preaching the gospel, then we need to go back and see why they would do something like that. And I think in this text in Romans 15, it's very clear as to why any of us would do what we do. Paul is at this interesting place. This is almost what I call a a reflective passage because he's at the end of the book, but he's also at the end of his life. I mean, he doesn't have too many years left. When he gets to Rome, that's pretty much going to be the end of the line. And even though he is uh, forced into a house retirement, uh, he never quits either. He wrote some of his greatest books uh, from being uh, under house arrest in Rome. And in a sense, as we get into this text, he's really going home to both his homes. You remember, Paul is a Roman citizen. He was born in Tarsus, which is actually in Turkey, uh, modern Turkey, but he is a Roman citizen. So he's going to Rome, and he's going to try to express some love to the church, and that's kind of going back to his roots, but he's also going to stop by Jerusalem because that's also his home. He spent the first part of his life preparing himself Uh, to be a Pharisee and to do all these things he was going to do uh, for the Jewish people. And then Jesus Christ showed up and changed his life and changed his mission. And so I I love this text. I love what it's all about because at the core, it's just what We Care Ministry has been about. It's about the gospel impacting people. You know, in the first couple of verses here of chapter 15, verse 14 through 16, he gives us a little picture of this singular focus of the gospel, and uh, uh, I can't help but think about that that's the way uh, Larry has always been. He's always had such a strong, singular focus right where it needs to be on the story of Jesus. And Paul reminds uh, the church of that and the importance of it. He says here, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me. To be ministers of Christ, Jesus, to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duties of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So Paul reminds them the central purpose of his entire ministry to bring all men, Jew and Gentile, into the into the church. And it was driven, driven by his recognition of God's grace. And we talk about a lot here at WFR that our DNA, the, the, the folks that started this location, place of people loving God and embracing Christ, in us is a DNA of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has been the core of everything we've done. It's our reset button. We're not perfect. We've made mistakes along the way. We've been here over 60 years, but our reset is always back to Jesus and always back to what he did for us. You stay on that path and you're always going to come out in the right place. You're always going to want to impact the world. And there'll be those dreamers and those visionaries and those people that step up and they'll realize that the grace of God is now on me. But I love the way he describes it. He's like a priest. 
And he got that from his Jewish heritage. He said, but instead of preparing a sacrifice and putting it on a fire and then having the smoke go up to the Almighty and saying, we hope you remember that we're sinners. Instead, now we are the sacrifice. We know from Romans 12, right? He is preparing us. That's what Paul said he was doing. He is a priest preparing people for the sacrifice of their lives. Why? So that they can live forever. That's why we focus on the gospel. That's why it is the core of everything we do. And that singular focus, also Paul understood, you see his writings over the next few verses, that it was a ministry uh, and a focus of service. He says here in verse 17, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I'll not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me and the leading the Gentiles to obey God for what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Iconium, I have proclaimed, fully proclaimed, the gospel of Christ. And I think about that idea that, one, he is serving, and at the same time, he's not looking for any attention himself. He says, I'm doing this so God gets the glory and more people are brought into the kingdom. Do you catch that in there? God gets all the glory in your service, in verse 17. Jesus gets all the focus when you have a message. And the Holy Spirit gets all the credit because he lives in us. A servant is singular in their focus because it's not about them. It's about whom they serve. And I think that's the power for all of us. We are servants of Jesus. We are servants of people. And we are servants of the gospel of Christ. And he says there in verse uh, nine, uh, uh, in 20, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. He understood he had a desire for people who had never seen or never heard. He wanted them, his ambition was he wanted to make sure they had an opportunity to get in on the gospel. And that's why his service was so strong. It's also an area of sharing. Look at verse 23. But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you uh, assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. The idea is that he wanted to be with them. He wanted to share. And he even talked about taking gifts that they had and sharing that with those who didn't have anything back in Jerusalem. That's what the gospel does. That's what our servant uh, nature does. It allows us to share what we have with other people. Let's face it, folks. What's the good and good news if we can't share it with other people? I mean, when something good happens in your life, what do you want to do? Man, you want to get on there and start texting people. You want to call people you love. You want to tell them something wonderful has happened. You want to get on social media and say, look, this blessing that I have. Good news is only good if it's shared with other people. Otherwise, it's something only we can enjoy. Unfortunately, we live in a culture that loves to share bad news. On a consistent basis and try to make you feel worse. So we counteract that by being those who are willing to share. Not only share the good news of Jesus, but also share physical blessings that we have with one another and share in community. That's what it's all about. 
We are there to build one another up. That is our purpose. That is our point. You know, I was thinking about this last section that we're going to look at in, in the verse 30 through 33, the struggling uh, nature of the gospel and about Paul's own struggle there and, <clears throat> and the battles that he came. Because we're all, because we have the victory and, the, and, and, and because we know it's already over, the battle's won, yet from now till then we still have some struggles, but we do know the victory's ours, right? And so I was thinking about how you need people in your life that will create in you uh, boldness, that will embolden you to do things you know you need to do that's uncomfortable. Uh, I, I, always hate, I, always hated the, uh, I always hated door knocking. Uh, and, 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 of course, Larry and them were experts at it, and I was always so uncomfortable to, to knock on a door or whatever. And yet, yet through the campaigns, and, and especially early on, uh, years ago when the, during the school we would go on campaigns, and, and uh, Larry and Bob taught us uh, how to share the gospel and I, I, I was all nervous. And I, back then, I, I carried a pocket knife everywhere I went. We were on a campaign up in, I think we were up in Canada at the time, knocking doors. And, and so I had this bad habit of, uh, I had my knife in my hand, and I would just open the blade and close it, open it and close it, you know, when I got nervous. And so we had knocked on the door, and a lady comes to the door. And, and so we start the questioning, like all trying to do the, uh, you know, uh, get into a Bible study or whatever. And uh, so you do that question, right? What, uh, if you died today, remember that how we used to do that question? If you died today. So I'm asking, if you died today, uh, would you spend eternity with God? And I'm flipping my knife open. And so she says, well, you know, no, thank you. We don't want anything. You know, closes the door. <laughs> And my buddy that's with me, the silent partner, who should not have been silent, by the way, but was silent. He's like, you know, you, you know, you opened your knife with that lady when you asked her about that. I said, well, no, I didn't, but there's no wonder I'm not having any luck here. Uh, I'm going to leave that campaign stuff to Larry. I'm not very good at it. But. Well, thanks to Khaled, he ended door knocking, I guess. That's a, <laughs> yeah, we talked about this on the podcast last week, Larry, because Dad was talking about, you know, the way he looks. Because we did a local campaign. He said every time I would knock on a door, I would see a little bit of part of the window open and then nothing after that. Nobody was going to answer the door, right? But what we, what they were trying to do, what we're trying to do is share through the struggle. It's not easy. It's not easy being bold and sharing with Jesus. It's not easy in our current culture to speak out for truth, right? And, but what Paul has said here is we have to do that. And look, we're going to struggle. He said, pray for me and my struggle. It's not easy. Sharing the gospel, helping people, I mean, being up late at night, dealing with people in their sinful situations, it's not easy. It's work. But it's work that pays off with eternal life. It's worth it. And look, we're not perfect. None of us are. So we have our own personal struggles that we have to deal with. And Paul was very honest about that. Look, I have things, I have thorns in my flesh. I wish I didn't have them. But at the end of the day, we do what we do because God has saved us. And he has saved us through Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. I love that phrase, that somehow that getting together with God's people who are single-minded about the gospel, who you walk with on this journey, it refreshes you to be together. And then he said, the God of peace 
be with you all. And amen. So in this text, there's a singular nature of the gospel, a serving nature, a sharing nature, a struggling nature. But then at the end of the day, for all of us, as we close this morning, there is a spirit nature of the gospel of Jesus. Did you catch those words in those last texts when he talks about love and joy and peace and and struggle? That's why the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are forever changed when the Holy Spirit of God indwells us, right? We know different. We know better. We grow spiritually when someone is willing to teach us and guide us with this same guide that the Holy Spirit wrote to make us strong, to help us be mature, right? And we're helping to build the kingdom one block at a time by continuing to share the gospel all around the world. It is our job. It is our privilege. It is our singular right as a son or daughter of the Almighty. But it all starts with a decision. And there may be someone today that's here, that's watching online, that hasn't made that decision. That's the first step. Because Jesus Christ died for you on a cross for all of your sins. He was raised out of that tomb, which we sang about beautifully this morning, because death wouldn't hold him. He went back to the right hand of the Father because there he mediates for us. And he said, look, I won't leave you. I'm coming back to get you. That good news of Jesus Christ is available for you. And he says, all I want you to do is believe I'm here. Trust in me. Change the way you're living and live for me because it's a better life. The Holy Spirit will lead you into so many great things. And I tell you what, be baptized into me. A new birth. The Holy Spirit now living in you. What an opportunity that we have today. And we want to offer that invitation to you or to anything that's holding you back, any struggle that you may be having. Today is a day, a glorious day, that we honor people who need to be honored, but also we honor God with changed lives. If you have a need at all today, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing? Mm-hmm.